If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel and this is Erin Sadler. Um, And we are here for another episode of the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. Um, And today we're going to be talking about how we can kind of authentically extend or expand our students' learning, how we can deepen their learning. Um, So let's let's first kind of review what what happens in like a kind of a traditional approach or traditional extension or expansion or deepening. If you're using the 5E model, think of like elaborate phase. Um, But if you're not using the you know, 5E model, it's still that like practice and that extending. (laughs) So what, what do you see happening kind of the traditional ways of Um, of approaching that? Like I can just think of the things that I used to do. Like I used to, you know, tell students to do like independent research on something random (laughs) or, um, I used to do like here are the challenge questions from the book or, you know, like something like that. Um, I would have like random worksheets. Um, I also, um, when I first switched to middle school, I would just give students something like from when I used to teach high school. I was like, oh, well, you know, like if they're ready, you know, if they've mastered this part, then they should, you know, do something harder (laughs) or, you know, something like that. Um, Which... I, it just doesn't really help them in the long term because they end up in classes and feeling bored because they've already learned that content, you know, mm-hmm. like, so that's, even though that sounds like it's not the worst idea, um, it didn't really work out well for the students, I don't think in the long run. Yeah, I, yeah, I can totally relate. Like, I always kind of thought of, for a long time, I thought of that, like, extension or elaboration kind of phase as, um kind of an arbitrary project, like you've said. Uh, and and in some ways it is, you know, maybe showing what you know in a different format or something like that. But the way that I feel like I typically used it and I've seen it described in a lot of just even online lesson plans and stuff built on the 5e model or whatever, it's, it's kind of this project that if you removed it, nobody would ever know, nobody would ever care. It wouldn't appear like your unit or your flow would not be affected in the least. So that kind of signals to me, like it's not really connected. It's not really authentic. Um, I think sometimes we think, oh, elaboration is just where students can 
that's where we can in- incorporate their interests. But that's kind of a cop out also because we should really be incorporating their interests and like giving them choices and things like that in the day to day, not just in those bonus, you know, maybe we get to it activities. Yeah, I know that um, that one of the things that I've seen is, is that those extension style activities are not necessarily rigorous. A lot of times they're like, read this article that has something to do with, you know, mm-hmm. like this thing that we just learned. So it's not, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, just feeding students extra information at best. So, yeah. 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 Or like, yeah, I would do, like you said, um, worksheets and things. I'd find, you know, similar things in, in, in books or whatever that I had and it'd be label this or find these answers in this text or, you know, and I mean, yeah, sure. There's value in reading current events and reading and, and just reading, developing our students, reading comprehension and science and all of that. But there's the, I'm just going to throw it out there because I need to give you something to practice and to repeat And then there's actually like, this is authentically building your argumentation skills as you analyze the arguments in the text or um, as you synthesize information from multiple sources or whatever, you know, so it really depends how you're using it, I feel like. And I think that a lot of things fall short because they're not putting it in context. It's just, here's the facts again, (laughs) tell them back to me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it also like, I think that it tends to focus solely on the DCI and it's no longer three dimensional. Mm-hmm. It's like the other two dimensions just get dropped in that, in that yeah. stage. Yes. Yes. Okay. So then what, what do you think? So what, what should we be doing instead? Right. Because then people aren't here to think as much as we just talked about the problem, like everybody knows the problem, or at least now they hopefully know the problem or aware of the problem, but problem doesn't help us. What's our solution or where, what are some like steps we can take? One of the one of my favorite things to do is to take what we've learned and apply it to a new phenomenon or a new mm-hmm. context or something like that so that students can see that the same rules apply in different contexts and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you're learning about ecosystems and you're learning about one specific ecosystem and the rules in that ecosystem, maybe you're looking at a different ecosystem and something that happened there. Um one thing that always stuck has just really stuck out in my mind was a few years ago when all of those whatever deer like died in Russia and they were just like a mass death of like all of them. And I think they found out maybe they were like the water was poisoned or something like naturally poisoned or tainted or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't, or maybe it was the virus or something. I don't know, but you know, like throw out that situation and ask them to apply what they've learned about ecosystem dynamics to make predictions. Yeah. I think that's an awesome, um, a way to extend their learning, to have them practice the same material, but also do it in a very authentic way. And I really think it shows you what students actually know. And if they walked away understanding what you wanted them to understand. Yeah. Also, I've been recently, you know, now that I'm switching more to like a 3D assessment, my mm-hmm. students are saying like, oh, you didn't teach me this. How can I do this? So if you, mm-hmm. if you built in that that final piece where they were applying it to something else before they did their assessment, then they would feel a lot more comfortable, like taking that next step. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a practice run almost of the assessment kind of, it's a formative assessment, you know, a practice of this is how I can apply it. I like that. Um, I also really like the idea of using engineering pro it can be a project. Like there's nothing wrong with projects, but like an engineering project or task as your extension or elaboration phase, because Again, it's students have to really understand the content. They're applying the content to solve whatever problem because engineering, you know, it's about solving problems. Um, 
and, and when, and in doing so, sometimes they have to go deeper into the content. Sometimes they have to understand a little bit more about that problem and how the con, how, what, you know, like you said, the rules, how science works stuff applies to that situation. And I think that one's really engaging too, because I just, I mean, I feel like all, like all kids kind of like, like a challenge or like, it's almost like a competition, but not necessarily with other people. It's a competition with yourself. Like, can you solve this problem or can you create a, you know, whatever to do X, Y, Z. And I think that, you know, that can be really engaging just that the challengeness of it. <laughs> Whenever I want my kid to do something, I just call it a challenge. We're going to do the pickup challenge. We're going to do the match up your numbers challenge. <laughs> like That's funny. And um, just because we haven't spent a lot of time talking about engineering on the podcast, which I didn't realize that until just right now, but I think it's also important to, to just note that engineering doesn't have to be building something that it's also like defining a problem and a solution doesn't necessarily have to be building something. Yes. And so I, um, before basically before I kind of like started working full-time in ice for science. Um, but after I left the classroom, I worked like briefly at a college, like an engineering program, like not with co- real college engineers, but engineering for kids, you know, like <laughs> translating that. And one of the things I, th- I remember learning about engineering, cause I never really used it a lot in my science classroom. Cause I thought it was just building spaghetti towers. Um, right. and I'm like, that's stupid. I don't want to build spaghetti towers. But yeah, it's more, it's about solving those problems. So sometimes it is a 3D kind of building thing, but sometimes it's literally just designing a solution. Like, like what is it? Industrial engineers are the ones that literally just do systems. How do I make the food come out of McDonald's faster? Like this is the layout, you know? So we can incorporate that, whether we're virtual, whether we're hybrid, it's, it's about finding a solution, um, community plans, a, approach, you know, it, it just brings in all of those extra things like you said, it's not just building. And that's one thing I did not understand for a really long time. (laughs) Right. And it's a good way to bring it back to your community. So if you, you know, maybe if you had a little trouble doing that in your, with your initial anchoring phenomenon, Mm -hmm. like that's a really good way to bring it back to something, you know, in their backyards or, you know, in their, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. Um, we should do, we'll have to do an episode more like focus more on engineering sometime soon. Just thinking it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I really like, and I think, I think that is a really good, and I don't want to, engineering should not be relegated just to those activities. So I don't want to give the misconception of that, but I do really like those activities as a way to, to incorporate engineering. And it really, it makes sense because engineering is the application of science. So after students have learned the science concepts, then they have the opportunity to apply it to solve that problem. So it's certainly not only in those extension projects, you can bring engineering into, like you said, into at the beginning, when you're talking about phenomena, if it's a problem, defining the problem, looking at the imp- like what's causing that problem, the criteria, the constraints that are um, preventing a solution, an easy solution to be found, whatever. But it is also just a natural progression to move from learning the science content to applying that science content to solve problems. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, did we have any other uh, like specific ways? I think the focus that I just kind of wanted to bring was just that application. We can have our students practice information. And I mean, it's good to have repetition. It's good to have practice, but I just think we can really do it in a more meaningful way when we're bringing in the application component of it. You know, it's practice and it's application. 
Right. And also you want to, the application is important because if it's just repetition for the sake of repetition, you're going to lose a lot of your high achieving students who got it the first time. They're like, why are we doing this again? So that's true. Yeah, that is so true. Um, and then for like the ones that are struggling, you can provide supports in the application, you know, um, if voca- you know, we, we don't necessarily emphasize memorizing vocabulary, obviously it's a part of, we want students to use scientific terminology, but maybe for your struggling students, it's less about using the correct terminology in their application assignment and more about just describing the concepts that are happening, you know, or or you can have them describe it and then go back and add the vocabulary after or something, you know, we can support the ones who are struggling in the application because application is a higher, you know, order thinking skill, but it also then is kind of automatically scaffolded for those older or not older, um, but like higher achieving students. Yeah. And it also gives you the opportunity to like differentiate within your groups. Like not everybody in the classroom has to be doing the same task and it, um, you know, so, so in those extension activities, it's often been a good time for me to sit down with students who needed, you know, some extra help and, you know, to kind of walk them through things. So if other students were doing something that they were able to manage kind of on their own, it gave me that opportunity. Oh, that's awesome too. Yeah. That's so true. Awesome. I didn't really have anything else. Do you have anything else? Do I have anything else? No, no. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. Um, as always, you can connect with us on Instagram. Please send us your questions, um, you know, at, at Ice Science, at Sadler Science, at Teaching Science in I think there's an underscore 3D. I don't know. Find, you can find us on Instagram. Just do a search. Um, send us your questions. We would love to connect with you. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review. It helps us. Um, I think it helps us rank higher so that other people can find us. Um, but we also just like hearing from you and knowing that you're listening and that we're not talking to ourselves. And that this is in some way beneficial to you and that we're going the right direction because I think a lot of people are feeling overwhelmed right now. So we haven't been hearing from as many people as often. So if you can just and let us know what you like or what you don't like, hopefully not. (laughs) Yeah. Send us that stuff privately. (laughs) If you're going to leave us hate mail, just send it privately. Um, No, I'm just kidding. We haven't had anything. We haven't had like a single anything, like nothing negative. It's been really nice. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to like jinx us now. Um, now all the, now the haters are going to come out <laughs> crying in my bed. Um, okay. Anyway, we will catch you guys later. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Um, and we'll see you for the Thursday thought and, and all that. All right. Bye. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.